Hey, 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 what's going on? Brendan Schaefer here, coming to you with episode three of B Shafe Daily. Today, we are going to dive into another element of the 2020 St. Louis Cardinals. We talked yesterday about Harrison Bader, that podcast available at anchor.fm slash bshafer12, Spotify as well, hopefully coming to some other avenues here before too long, Apple Podcasts and the like. Uh, apparently it takes a few days to get all of that to populate, so we'll try to be patient with that, but hopefully you were able to find this uh, via my Twitter link, Facebook link, some other avenue. Feel free to subscribe if you're a Spotify user. I know it's active and working on Spotify, so we're off and running with this. Episode 3, today is Wednesday, January 29th, and after Harrison Bader talked yesterday, on Monday we went over the recent acquisitions by the Cincinnati Reds, what they've done this offseason to try and unseat the Cardinals, potentially as the kings of the National League Central. You've still got the Cubs. You've still got the Brewers. You don't have the Pirates. They could lose 100 games. It's going to be rough. I'll do some official predictions as the season gets a little bit closer for how I see this division shaking out. But did some offensive discussion about the Cardinals lineup and where they think it could go. We'll have plenty more of that in the coming weeks and months. But for today, we're going to dive into the starting rotation. Because with a lot of people, what they have to say about this Cardinals team, they look at it from the outside, they look at the lineup as being one that they don't necessarily anticipate is going to be any better in 2020 than it was in 2019. And the reason for that is pretty obvious. They haven't added anybody, right? Uh, They subtracted Ozuna, they subtracted Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena, who potentially could have had a role in that outfield this season. So they've they've taken away from the lineup, haven't added anything of substance to it. So why in the world are you telling me this team is going to be just as good, if not better, in 2020 than they were last season when they made the NLCS? It's a fair question, but that's why I want to dive into the starting pitching today because I think the answer to that question starts right in that group. And I think it's an area of the Cardinals that could potentially be even better than it was last season, and we'll break down you know, position by position within that starting five. The reasons behind that thought process, because I think when you look at where the Cardinals were last year in their starting rotation, one of the better units in the league as far as ERA was concerned, you look at what they bring back, and we'll go individual by individual on whether or not we think these pitchers that carried the Cardinals to a 3.78 earned run average a year ago that ranked fifth across Major League Baseball, third in the National League, That's pretty good. Why should we expect that some of these pitchers will do better or are some of them due to regress? We're going to break all that down over the course of this podcast. So let's start at the top with Jack Flaherty. Uh, This is a pretty easy guy to talk about, right? I'm going to give you his numbers from last year as we go down the list. That's kind of my plan for this podcast. We'll see where it goes. But Flaherty last season was 11-8 with a 2.75 earned run average. You know, that's very good. We know the bulk of those numbers on the positive side came in his really, truly historic second half that he put together. But I want to give you the numbers for the full season and then decide whether we think Flaherty could be even better than that come 2020. 196 innings pitched, 231 strikeouts. Uh, those are those are fantastic numbers. We can't look at a pitcher and grade him just based on his win-loss record. 
11 and 8, nothing too spectacular about that. But that really does not even close to give the full story for what Jack Flaherty was able to accomplish last season. And as we know, it started in early July, a game at San Francisco that that was start number one in a stretch that lasted until the end of the season. Over his final 16 starts, I'll give you the numbers one more time. I'm sure you've heard them before. But Jack Flaherty had an ERA of 0.93, an opponent's batting average of 139, and he had 130 strikeouts across 106 innings pitched in those 16 starts. That's fantastic. It's an average of more than six and a half innings per start across that stretch. So he's averaging, you know, a quality plus start essentially every time he goes out there. You know, the strikeout numbers sensational. Every across the board, he was Bob Gibson esque from early July till the end of the regular season. Um, had a good start in the postseason. Had one where he got roughed up a little bit uh, compared to to what we'd seen from him, but. Overall, just sensational ace-level stuff from Jack Flaherty. And not only ace-level stuff, but I mean, when you look at the cream of the crop in all of Major League Baseball, starting pitching-wise, if you were to make a list of the five or six guys that, you know, if it was a fantasy draft, you were starting over completely with Major League Baseball. Of the starting pitchers in Major League Baseball today, Jack Flaherty would absolutely be one of those first probably two or three, maybe four guys you would take if you were starting a franchise today because of his, his youth, the fact that we really haven't even seen his prime yet. Like he burst onto the scene last year. And if he's anything like this guy going forward, uh, the Cardinals are going to have something special and, and they, they should really try to get on signing this guy to an extension as soon as they possibly can. Uh, but for a lot of reasons, I don't think Jack Flaherty is necessarily going to bite on, on that kind of deal because I think he's a guy who's going to be willing to bet on himself and can say, well, you saw what I did last year, just wait, because I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to be the next, you know, Garrett Cole, $300, $400 million pitcher. Like, Jack Flaherty's got the potential to be that guy. It's not great for Cardinal fans to hear because, uh, I mean, it is, from a perspective of he's on your favorite team and he's going to do some remarkable things as long as he stays healthy over the next five or whatever it is years that he has remaining under, under team control. But after that, um, I, it's probably a little too early to start thinking about it. But then again, you, the closer you get to arbitration and, and into those years where you can see free agency on the horizon, the closer you get to that free agency, the more difficult, in my opinion, it would be for a guy in his mid-20s, mid to late 20s to want to sign for less money than he thinks he can get on the open market. So uh, the Cardinals you know, may have never had a window. It's hard to say, well, they missed their window uh, for Jack Flaherty to get an early extension done because it may have never existed with the knowledge and, and the attention that Flaherty pays to uh, th- that side of the game, the business side of baseball. I think he's very smart, intelligent, in tune with what's going on there. And so uh, he's not a guy who's going to sell himself short. But uh, for right now, you know, that's not really the main point of what I wanted to talk about today. But it's just something that, that kind of is starting to creep into your your mind when you think about Jack Flaherty. Uh, potentially one of the the next major contracts you see in baseball uh, a few years down the road. Uh, But as far as an ace to lead the Cardinals rotation in 2020, it's hard to to imagine having anybody better. And so you're comfortable, right, with the start of of what this rotation looks like. But then you get into, you know, the other four or five guys that are potentially vying for a spot in this rotation to start the season. 
And we can look at it, I think, as five guys as of right now. So that'd be a total of six guys for five spots. And we can go over each of the candidates throughout the rest of this. But this gets to be the point at which I think we we already begin to talk about, okay, which of these guys are potentially going to improve or regress? Because I think with Flaherty, you know, the the 2.75 ERA, it would be hard to predict he's going to do better than that. But I think you, you could imagine that his first half and his second half in 2020 would be a little bit more consistent. He's going to have some bad games mixed in there. Every pitcher does. He didn't in the second half of last season. But but I would imagine that you could you could say at the end of the day, his ERA to expect that it will be under three. I think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, it's a high bar, but he just set that bar with what he did over the course of the second half of last season. So I'm not going to get too deep into what we expect from Flaherty because, I mean, legitimately, if he does what he did the second half, for all 2020, he wins Cy Young, he wins MVP, he puts together one of, if not the greatest season in the history of starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. I mean, that's legitimately what he was able to do over the course of the second half. So I'm not going to dive too deep into what do I expect from him. I expect more of the same, probably somewhere around what his numbers were at the end of the season, but with a little more consistency to get there. It won't be in all likelihood, a, a mediocre first half and a otherworldly second half. But after that, you got you got to, with guys like Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright, three guys who were in that starting rotation a year ago, and you believe that they will return to that role in 2020. Are any of these guys due for regression? Can we expect them to put up similar numbers as they did last year, or perhaps even better? And that's kind of where we're going to be at with the Cardinals rotation, whether or not it can be a unit that carries this team again in 2020. I tend to believe that it can, and that's in spite of these next statistics I'm going to give you. I'm not a huge guy as far as fielding independent pitching is concerned. It's a it's another statistic in addition to ERA, FIP for short, uh, that a lot of people like to use because it indicates really with the three true outcomes what a pitcher had done. It's basically they try to remove fielding from the equation. And so if you're a pitcher that pitches on a team that has a really good defense, your FIP in many cases might be a little higher than your ERA because your defense was supporting you above what the expectation would be for a defense to do so. And so it made your numbers look a little better than they otherwise might have been. The same theory goes in the the reverse. If you have a team that not so good defensively, your FIP might end up being lower or better than your ERA. Uh, And that would be considered you had an unlucky season um, and and you could be due for a a positive regression. In the case of starting pitchers on the St. Louis Cardinals in 2019, they had, uh, to their benefit, the best defense in Major League Baseball, especially on the infield, as far as the infield is concerned. Because you look around the diamond, Yadier Molina behind the plate, Gold Glove finalist. Paul Goldschmidt at first, Gold Glove finalist. Colton Wong at second base won the Gold Glove. DeYoung at shortstop, a finalist. And then at third base, you had, you know, Carpenter, not the best defensive third baseman. When you had Tommy Eben over there, I think that that was an improvement on the defensive side. But Carpenter was okay. Like, I don't think Carpenter was as bad defensively as a lot of fans uh, in their minds give him credit for. I think he he was fine. Um, Certainly... Uh, has improved, I think, defensively compared to earlier in his career. But I'm not sitting here trying to trump up his defense. My point is, you'll have Carpenter at third. You have Edmund at third. It, either way, it's it's you know it's kind of so-so for Carpenter. I think you could call Edmund a plus defender at third. But elsewhere, everywhere else on the diamond, you have rock stars essentially on the on the defensive side of the baseball. And so 
the the Cardinals pitching staff benefited from that last season, and I see no reason that they would not continue to benefit from that going forward. And so that's why, from a blanket statement perspective of we're going to look in some of the individual numbers from these guys, I'm not sitting here thinking, well, everybody had a higher FIP. I mean, their FIP ranked 14th across Major League Baseball last season at 4.44. That's from starters uh, that started games for the Cardinals, ninth in the National League, 4.44 fielding independent pitching. That's about a half run higher, really more than a half run, almost two-thirds of a run higher than the starting rotation's ERA, 3.78. But that doesn't necessarily concern me because I think that's the way the Cardinals are built to thrive within their starting rotation. Jack Flaherty, 231 strikeouts in 196 innings. You look anywhere else in the rotation, the guys they had last year, nobody was striking guys out at nearly that kind of clip. They were allowing... You know, hitters to put the ball in play and trusting their defense behind them to make plays. And so, number two, we'll go with Miles Michaelis next. Uh, he was the opening day starter last season. Some people might might have forgotten that, but uh, when the season began, he was really the Cardinals' best starter, is the way that was viewed. Uh, with Carlos Martinez uh, shifting to the bullpen, started the season on the injured list. Michaelis was nine and fourteen with a four point one six ERA in one hundred and eighty four innings, only one hundred and forty four strikeouts, one four four. Uh, but that's the kind of pitcher he really was the year before that. He he benefited the season before that from pitching smart, pitching to his defense, and he was an all-star because of it. Uh, but what happened in 2019 to Michaelis, obviously the losing record, 9-14, not what you want to see. ERA of 4.16 isn't bad, but for the number two starter in your rotation, uh, you'd like to see you'd like to see a little bit more out of him. But what happened to Michaelis last season that really was a difference in a sub-three earn run average and one that that eclipsed four in the wrong direction was the home runs. It went from 16 home runs allowed in 2018 when he was so successful his first season with the Cardinals to 27 allowed last season in fewer innings, about 14 fewer innings because he just got over uh, 200 innings the season before and then 184, so about 16 fewer innings that he threw and allowed 11 more home runs. His walks were still pretty good. That's one of his calling cards uh, is is his ability to command the baseball within the strike zone, not give away free passes. He walked 29 guys in 2018. Last season, walked 32. So, yes, uh, not as good of a ratio uh, because he pitched fewer innings. But all in all, you're not going to complain about that walk rate for Miles Michaelis or any pitcher, really. But I would say that on the whole, his numbers obviously declined because of that spike in home runs allowed. And he just overall didn't feel quite as sharp, I think, in, in what he was able to do last season. We asked him at winter warm-up whether he believed the league had adjusted to him a little bit in his second season. And he, he spoke to some of the frustration as far as a push and pull with, with hitters getting used to him in the game of cat and mouse that you have to play with hitters. So I think part of that played into what Miles Michaelis had as far as struggles in 2019. But another part of it that was pretty interesting in what he, he talked about at winter warm-up a couple of weeks ago was trying to get in tune with with pitch shape and the shape of his off-speed pitches and his breaking balls and trying to put those in a position to be as effective as they can be. And he said, you know, the Cardinals staff got him uh, some of the analytics and the numbers on that that he wanted to have to be able to to look at video and look at things and and say, my slider should look kind of like this so that when hitters see it, it breaks a little bit differently or whatever the case may be. And and he said there was kind of an adjustment that it sounds like he kind of regretted the way he handled some of this in 2019 
because in discussions about his slider, he said he knows it was a little bit less effective. I think I shaped it a little too much like a slider. In 2018, it was shorter. Some people even called it a cutter sometimes. I think that's actually a more effective shape of that pitch as it as it does working off of my other pitches. That's what Miles Michaelis had to say about that. And as far as uh, the, what he attributed that to, he actually said he made a more concerted effort at one point in 2019 to try and treat his slider more as a slider with, with a little bit more of a loop, a heavier break, a, instead of like the cutter-ish slider that it had been previously. And that was when he was more successful in 2018. And he said he kind of shot himself in the foot with, with doing that because, in his opinion, he made a pitch that was pretty effective, less effective, uh, by trying to tinker with it a little bit too much. So I think that's interesting and something that you could see out of Miles Michaelis that could be reason for uh, a bit of a bounce back in some ways in 2020 if he kind of goes back to what he knows and, and gets more comfortable with his stuff because it sounds like last season he was fighting some of that at, at certain times. But if you couple that understanding with some of the stuff he was going through, getting used to the league, adjusting to to him, and then maybe in his process of trying to adjust back to the league was not so successful. I think a veteran pitcher like Michaelis, he's going to have an opportunity to come into spring this season, get a better feel for what he wants to do as a pitcher. The positive to Michaelis, he's still log innings for you last year. He was 184 innings. ERA was a little bit above four at 4.16. So he was still kind of a workhorse for you in that rotation, just not quite the, the high-end quality that you, you had seen in 2018 when his ERA was 2.83. I don't think he's going to be quite that good this season, but I would say somewhere in the middle of those two performances is where I could expect Miles Michaelis to end up. ERA in the mid-threes to high-threes, about 190 innings as long as he stays healthy. Uh, I, I would imagine that home run rate should drop a little bit um, end up maybe about 20 home runs given up compared to the 16 he had in 2018, the 27 he gave up last season. So I, I think he, he's going to be what you would consider a really solid number three and even an acceptable number two in, in a starting rotation. And if, if, if he's your third best pitcher in 2020 behind Flaherty and maybe somebody else that kind of steps up, that would be a really good scenario for the Cardinals. Um, But as we saw last year, you kind of have it in your head. Who's the number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. And those things can kind of morph and change as the season goes along. Uh, But I expect good things out of Michaelis. I think he'll be a little bit better in 2020 than he was in 2019. Another guy in that group that it would be hard to imagine he's going to be better next year than he was last year is Dakota Hudson. His first full season as a starter, he goes 16-7 and with a 3.35 ERA. Now, you don't want to use win-loss record as a a knock against a pitcher, as we mentioned with Michaelis, those guys aren't always in control of that. But I do think it's fair to at least look at it, in Hudson's case, as a benefit that he was able to win win all those games with a 3.35 ERA. Yes, it takes offense in order to do that. No, I'm not saying that pitcher wins and losses is the end-all, be-all of statistics. But I think it is kind of interesting to note, and I'm telling you, within the, the context of the sport, they still use it. I mean, they, they still look at that and say, hey, somebody won 16 games for us. That's important. They look at everything else. In my opinion, they look at it a lot more, talking about the advanced analytics. But the pitcher record, it's not something that's going away. I can tell you, pitchers still look at it because at the end of the day, you just want to win the game. And so that's something that I'm sure Dakota Hudson was happy to have been able to do, lead the Cardinals in wins last year, his first full season as a starter. Uh, pitched 174 innings. That's pretty good. 
But then there are definitely some negatives that you could be concerned would come back to bite Dakota Hudson in another season as a starting pitcher. 86 walks allowed that led Major League Baseball and and not led in the way that, you know, he only gave up 86 walks. That was the most. So that's something he's going to have to improve upon. I I think he was able to pitch around them tremendously last season to be able to to have an ERA below three and a half and lead Major League Baseball in walks is pretty remarkable. Now, as you can imagine, his fielding independent pitching was not very good um, at 4.93 because he's allowing all these base runners. Uh, and that's that's really not something that that statistic is going to enjoy for you. Uh, but I think it's impressive. Part of it, you can look to his defense for the style of pitching that he he performs with as a, a kind of a ground ball guy. That's what he wants to do to, to the opposing hitters. He wants to get you to ground out. He had some double plays that he benefited from after some of those walks and was able to have a pretty good season. As far as regression that you could expect, while I think the defense behind him played a, a role last season and will continue to do so to his benefit this season. I don't know if it'll do so quite to that extent. Um, Dakota Hudson's going to have to improve, improve upon some things personally and as a pitcher in order to take a next step this season. But in my opinion, the next step for Hudson that would really show he's developing as a pitcher would be for his, his numbers to remain pretty much the same. Give you 175 innings, give you an ERA of three and a half or maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, keep it under four. You'd like to see uh, decrease some of those walks. You're, you're, you're absolutely going to have to do that. Um, and I think he, he recognizes and knows that, uh, but still benefit from the defense that's behind you. And, and maybe you're fielding independent pitching, which I'm not necessarily looking at as a, as a, the only indicator, but if his were to go down a little bit next season, it would tell me that he did better about allowing base runners and, and allowed himself to have more stress-free innings rather than, pitching around danger in the majority of the innings that you have to pitch. So I think that would be to his benefit. But am I expecting because, well, now he's had a whole year as a starter in year two. Is he going to be all that much better? That's what Jack Flaherty did. No, no, no. I don't think it's quite going to be like that because he already was able to to produce some pretty special results, uh, especially considering uh, you know where he was as far as some of the, the analytics and the metrics. I don't think he's going to fall off the face of the earth, but it will be interesting to see how he kind of adapts and 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 focuses in when he when he gets a little bit of that wake up call because it'll happen. The day's going to come where he's going to have some some struggle, uh, you know, some rough starts, and it even happened a little bit throughout the course of last season. But as a young pitcher, how he how he approaches that and bounces back from those things in 2020, I think is going to be very interesting to monitor. Uh, and then number four in the rotation, this is just the way I happen to have had it uh, laid out. Adam Wainwright, he'll be back for another season. The Cardinals resigned him to a one-year deal. We'll see if it ends up being his last year. Um, but I would argue if he, he's able to replicate his results from a year ago, you could see Wainwright wanting to continue, even at age 39 after this season. Uh, I believe this will be he'll be he'll turn 39 at some point during the 2020 season. Uh, but last season, 14 and 10, his record. 4.19 his earned run average, that right around the same ERA as what Miles Michaelis had. Um, actually struck out a few more batters than Miles Michaelis. He had 153 Ks to Michaelis's 144, and Wainwright did so in fewer innings, 171. Um, his whip, which is walks plus hits per innings pitched, was pretty high, 1.427. So almost a base runner and a half per inning, essentially, is what Wainwright had to navigate around. And, you know, for better or worse, that's kind of the way that Adam Wainwright has to pitch at age 38. 
He has to pick his spots a little bit more than he used to. He doesn't quite have the stuff that he once did, but he's still a really intelligent pitcher. And so, and he's talked about kind of knowing that there are times where you got to go after a guy, and there are other times where you can try to get a guy to get himself out, but if he doesn't and you walk him, it's not going to be the end of the world uh, because that's just kind of the nature of where he's at as a pitcher right now. Now, if he's able to give you another 171, 175, pushing 100, 180 innings, that'd be exceptional. Um, if he's able to do so with an ERA down around four, I think that would be more than acceptable. Uh, you'd like to see him allow fewer base runners. I don't know if you could necessarily say you expect him to do that, though. Uh, you know, advancing one more season into his career as he approaches age 40. But I think with what Wainwright did last season, the only thing you'd like to see maybe is a little bit more consistency. You almost knew he was going to keep you in a game and potentially win you a game when he was pitching at home. Just a remarkable earn run average below three. On the road, though, it was uh, upwards of six. So just trying to, to, to parse that out and figure out why that happened. Wainwright, I asked him about that during the winter warm-up. He didn't have a great answer for it uh, as far as you know diving into exactly why it happened and understanding it. He didn't really understand it himself. He does like pitching at Bush Stadium. He talked about liking to walk up to his own walk-up song when he's heading to the mound and, and pitching in front of Cardinals fans. This is a guy who definitely appreciates what Cardinals Nation brings when when, when the home fans are cheering him on during his starts. I, he absolutely is a guy that feeds into that and, and definitely benefits from it. But as far as whether or not he's going to be able to replicate what he did at home in 2019 and then fix what he did on the road, he said, heck, if I pitched the way I did it home on the road, I would have won 20 games last year. And so there's another example of pitchers talking in terms of pitchers' wins and how it still means something to them. But yeah, he would have had a a Cy Young-type season if he would have been the same pitcher he was at home in road games. But things kind of started to get away from him in some of those road starts, and the numbers, they were what they were. Uh, as far as whether he can can replicate what he did last season, uh, would you'd be perfectly satisfied if that's your number five starter? I think fourteen and ten, four point one nine ERA gives you one hundred and seventy innings. I think you'd be satisfied with that. Whether or not he can do that is going to, in my opinion, come completely down to his physical health. If he's healthy, he's going to put together a good, good, adequate, solid Adam Wainwright, crafty veteran season. If he's not you're going to see more of what you you kind of saw with him in the years preceding 2019 where he just couldn't stay on the field. He had no issues with that last season. He had one stint on the injured list early in the year. It was not arm-related, though, and he bounced back from it very quick. I think he only might have missed one start. And so if Wainwright's health can, can, can hold in that fashion, I think he's going to be more than adequate for what you're going to get in the rotation. And then you've got one more spot to fill. You know, Michael Waka is gone. He's off to the New York Mets. Uh, from a rotation standpoint, that's not the worst thing. I think, we'll, you, you know, you'll miss seeing him around. You'll miss covering him. Uh, he, he's a good dude, and, and I, you know, I hope he does well with the Mets. But his ERA last year, 4.76, inconsistency with being able to stay on the field. There for a while in the middle of the season, I think a lot of Cardinals fans soured on him because it, it just was not working and they kept putting him out there in certain situations. Um, credit to him. I'm sure he was dealing with some physical stuff, um, as he has throughout his career. But um, he, he fought through and did what he could and, and is now going to have an opportunity with the Mets to try and show what he can do and, and prolong his career. Um, but certainly, you know, Cardinal fans, I think, should be grateful for what he did in a Cardinals uniform while he was here. But the point of bringing him up is that that's the guy you're replacing, essentially, who performed like the fifth best starter in your rotation last season, only made 24 starts or so. And so now of the guys that are still on this list, you know, Daniel Ponce de Leon could surprise you. 
Austin Gomber could surprise you. There could be somebody else that that inserts himself into this conversation. But barring anything unexpected or just a rash of injuries that changes this entire conversation, and we'll talk about that in a minute because that's a real thing that I think the Cardinals have to be cognizant of. But barring anything crazy, the two guys that you're essentially looking at for one spot in the rotation, Kwang Hyun Kim, the pitcher from South Korea that the Cardinals just signed this offseason, or Carlos Martinez. The Martinez situation is going to be one that develops and it continues to do so up until opening day. You know, the Cardinals right now seem to think he'll be ready. He's raring to go for a return to the starting rotation. Uh, But time will tell is the only thing I can really say about that right now. And it's the only thing the Cardinals have been saying about it, too. They're not making any bold declarations uh, because they would love to see Carlos Martinez in that rotation. But let's start with KK, and, and then we'll talk about Carlos a little bit after that. KK's numbers in the KBO, the Korean baseball organization over there in South Korea, were pretty remarkable for what he was able to do in 2019. He's had a nice career there overall, but last season, you know, what he's done most recently, he was 17-6 and with a 2.51 ERA that encompasses 30 starts, one relief appearance, and 190 total innings, uh, in which he struck out 180 guys. So it's not like he's just been a pitch-to-contact guy. Uh, that's close to a strikeout per inning, which the Cardinals you know, don't have a ton of strikeout guys. Flaherty has certainly been one. But after that, KK, those I mean, if those numbers translate, he's, he's pretty much number two, I would think, in the rotation in terms of his ability to, to put it past guys. And only 38 walks to go along with that. So, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at those numbers – Obviously, I haven't seen him pitch, but with with what he appears to have been on paper, and he'll be turned age 32 during the 2020 season, so uh, you could say he's still within that prime years, but you could see a decline begin as he starts his 30s and and moves deeper into his career. But with what he has been on paper, I think that fits really well with what the Cardinals try to do, the way they combine what they do on the pitching side with what they do defensively to support those pitchers. I think KK could end up having a really sneaky good season if he wins a spot in the rotation, which I would like to see him do. Uh, Now, if he does, it means somebody else probably got hurt. And I say it every year going into spring, someone is going to get hurt. (laughs) You know, I won't tell anyone how to be a fan, but if you get into that mindset early enough, it'll be less painful when it ultimately does happen. And you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's, you know, mid-February and we already lost so-and-so. Like, don't know who it's going to be, can probably tell you it's going to be someone. And so it's worth just getting into that mindset. But I think regardless of the circumstances, I'd like to see KK get a a shot in this rotation. And it's obviously something the Cardinals told him he'd have the opportunity to earn. Otherwise, I don't think he'd have signed here. Uh, You know, he's willing to pitch out of the bullpen, but I think his preference would be, would have to be to pitch in the rotation. And so then it boils down to Carlos Martinez. You know, he definitely had a valuable role last season as the team's closer, I don't want to completely discount that, but as we can talk about in a, in a future podcast, and I've written about it as well already this offseason, I think the Cardinals' bullpen would be okay without him. I think they've got enough uh, enough guys down there that could fill that role and could backfill in the 8th and 7th inning and have things be okay, especially if you consider that Jordan Hicks could and likely will be returning by, you know, let's just say the All-Star break late July, um, you know, mid-season at some point in time. So, I think the bullpen could be okay without him, but what he did do as a reliever last season, 3.17 ERA as the closer, the primary closer. Uh, He was the Carlos Coaster at times, uh, but he ultimately did have pretty good success on the whole for the entire season in that role. 
Um, but I, I, honestly, if the Cardinals were to add vintage Carlos Martinez as a starter back into this rotation, it would go to another level. We already talked about Flaherty. You know, if you expect and agree with me on the potential for improvement for Miles Michaelis to be at least a solid number three, right? Like if he's your number three, you could probably count on one hand the rotations across Major League Baseball that would have a better top three than Flaherty at number one, Carlos Martinez, vintage Carlos Martinez, what he's been when he's been a full starter at two, and then Michaelis at three with Hudson and Wainwright filling in. But that top three, I think, would be pretty dynamic. Um, and then potentially, again, I think KK could be a guy that we're talking about, you know, wow, what a season he just had uh, a year from now if he gets that opportunity. So I think I like where the Cardinals' depth is in their top six in their rotation for sure. But just a little bit of a deeper dive into Carlos Martinez because I think sometimes it gets lost in translation. It gets lost in, you know, you, the fans remember him as a as a closer who, you know, caused your, your stress levels to, to rise and caused you some cardiac issues when you're watching Cardinals games when he's pitching the ninth. But what he did in those three seasons from 2015 to 2017, and people complained about him then too, uh, which which we can, that's a whole different conversation of, of why people weren't satisfied with what he actually did. Is it off the field stuff? Is it the, the different rumors you hear about what, you know, what he's doing, showing up late to games, things like that, uh, which, which all that was a little bit more recent than, than these seasons when he was a full starter. That was part of the reason some of his tardiness issues and things like that that the Cardinals, at least in in their mind, the reason that they said was switching him from starter to reliever was because of some of that in 2018. Um, But from 2015 to 2017, if you look at his numbers, those were his only three seasons as a full-time MLB starter. Carlos had a 3.24 ERA and logged 580 innings, which is an average of 193 per season. 575 strikeouts, which is nearly one per inning. In his FIP, fielding independent pitching, five point, uh, pardon me, 3.59, which yeah, a little bit higher than his ERA, but not by much, indicates that he was pretty legit in what he'd been doing. Those are really good numbers, like ace-like numbers, with him allowing less than a home run per nine, one one twenty six was his ERA plus. If you look at just a way that they measure ERA and try to account for ballpark, account for all these things to factor in how they compare, how a pitcher compares to everybody else league wide. One hundred would be league average. He was one twenty six, so that's twenty six percent better than than a league average starter for those years. So I I mean that would be pretty exceptional to add to this team, and I think if they're able to do it, which time will tell that kind of plays into at least a little bit of my thought process behind why I think the Cardinals could still have a really good season in 2020, despite not adding anything. You know, for everyone looking at the lineup and saying the Cardinals are due to regress overall, you know, this right here is the reason I'm not so sure about that. You know, everybody would like for them to be a juggernaut. I understand that. You have a great pitching staff, a great defense, and then you improve the lineup, so now your lineup is great too. And that takes you from NL Central contender or maybe even the favorite which they could still be, to World Series contender or among the teams that you could count on one hand and say, these are the favorites to win it all, the Cardinals are on that list. And and a trade for Arenado would do that. I would agree with you. 
but we really don't know what the exact ask from Colorado is. We've talked all, all winter about how difficult that would be to come down. The, the, the front office of the Rockies can be difficult to work with. They're, they're constantly changing their minds, it seems like, from the exterior on what they want and when they want it and why they want it. If it's simply a matter of taking on the contract and the Cardinals are unwilling to do that, yeah, that's a bummer because Arenado would be a great fit. Absolutely. But if you look at the team that they actually do have right now, I think it's reasonable to anticipate the Cardinals being contenders even still based on playing a similar style of baseball to what they played last year, pitching and defense. I think with this rotation, even without Carlos Martinez, you slide in KK, who as a lefty, I think could bring you a little bit of a different element that would be a positive. Um, I think that's that's even even if Carlos you know, is your closer, whatever the case might be, he pitches out of the bullpen. I, I think the Cardinals would still be in that position to, to where I'm comfortable saying I think they're a contender this season, uh, at least to win that division, uh, at the very least, perhaps sneak in with a wild card. It's not ideal. You'd love to say they're going into the season as World Series favorites. It's not that, but they do have an opportunity to prove some things. You know, if if the guys like Dylan Carlson and Lane Thomas, some of these guys emerge and have an opportunity to take the lineup to another level, and that would have to come in conjunction with some of the incumbents showing the type of internal improvements that the Cardinals keep touting and saying that they're going to have this year. You know, you would need both of those things to happen. But I'm looking at the potential of this pitching staff, and I do see some really good things. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to like here. And, and there is more margin for error when you're pinning the bulk of your hopes on your starting pitching and, and trying to basically say that's why we're going to be good this year um, because that's where the most injuries are going to strike, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's inevitable. Again, I've talked about it a little earlier in the podcast, but last year it was Carlos. Who knows this year who it's going to be? Uh, but outside of the Carlos thing last year, the Cardinals were actually surprisingly healthy in the rotation in 2019. Waka had some issues. Wainwright, the quick IL stint. But by and large, pretty healthy. You can't necessarily expect or anticipate that will happen again this year. And so that's kind of the risky run by saying we're going to we're gonna stake our flag right here on starting pitching mountain and say that's why we're going to be good. But I think if you look at the depth of the options, I think you've got six pretty good ones. Uh, we can get into the, the, the deeper depth when spring comes around and we see some of those guys pitch. But right now I think you've got six guys that you can feel pretty good about. And that gives me reason for optimism if I'm a Cardinals fan. In spite of what we've seen on on the offensive side of things, the fact that they haven't added anybody, um, you know, in the Cardinals' minds, I think they're going to look and see Lane Thomas or Dylan Carlson or Justin Williams. One of these guys is going to be an above-average left fielder or perhaps even center fielder if Bader struggles or Fowler struggles. But mostly wanted to focus on the pitching today. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. If you agree, disagree with me, uh, you can feel free to let me know on Twitter. If you get this far in the podcast, send me a message uh, anywhere you can reach me. I'd love to talk over things with you. Uh, but I'm going to try to cut it off here. Went a little bit longer than we did on the first couple of podcasts. Normally going to try to keep these things under 30 minutes, but with going over the entire starting rotation today, just had a little bit more to dive into. Didn't want to, to sell anybody short or cut anybody short when I talked about my expectations for their season going forward into 2020. So I appreciate you guys for joining me once again. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. As time goes along, hopefully I'll be able to get it to more places. I know it's not on Apple yet, but we'll get it there. Uh, but thanks for joining me again, guys, and I will talk to you tomorrow.